Hello, and welcome to episode Dean McCammond of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Colin Cudmore, and I'm joined by my co-host, Trevor Shackles. So it's the Christmas season, and here at the Cosper Pointcast, we're also getting into the Christmas spirit. In this episode, we'll be covering what our Christmas wish lists are for the Ottawa Senators, and then maybe later get to a few mailbag questions. Although before that, uh, looking at the last couple of weeks, there's a few other quick topics worth covering, most recently the demotion of Drake Batherson, Drake the Snake, bath time. Earlier today, he was sent uh, back to the Belleville Senators, we learned. So just wondering what your thoughts are that, on that, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't say that it totally surprised me. Um, you know, even I last week had talked about how I wouldn't mind seeing him go back to Belleville just because he had, you know, he had been really impressive the first few games. Um, I think he had, what, five points in his first three games? Something and, crazy like that. Yeah, something crazy. And, you know, his... I don't want to judge everything just on his possession numbers, but I mean, they were, they were dreadful. I mean, they were in the low thirties, 32, 33%. He pretty much every game he was getting caved in and yeah, you know, I, I don't mind um, if this, it, it doesn't seem like this is going to give someone like Rudolf Balsers or the injured Philip Schlopik or Logan Brown a chance because they're not calling anybody up. It seems like they're just sending him down because Matt Shane is coming back. Um, but I think, at some point in the near future, one of those prospects is probably going to get called up. So, you know, maybe Batherson can get his confidence back up in Belleville. He was killing it there. So, um, yeah, I, um, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on it as well? Yeah, like you mentioned, he, he really was getting caved in defensively. And he also just wasn't shooting a lot, I noticed. Like, yeah. he, has, like he averaged less than a shot on goal per game, which is less than guys like Payarvi and even Borvietsky. And so, like, you also have Nick Paul, who was just scratched last game. So I wonder if maybe he'll get a chance as well. Like, he's been um, performing, like, decently well. Well, I just don't understand why they also but... have 7D when they're, and they're keeping Paul out of the lineup. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty weird, especially considering the defensemen that they're putting out on the roster. But, uh, yeah. 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 It'll be interesting to see, like, who he's playing with. He'll, he'll almost certainly be on the top line. So, like, he, he worked with Schlappick. We'll see if he worked with Logan Brown. So Yeah, yeah I like it, I like seeing Logan Brown on that top line. I think he's played for the past few games. Uh, I think he's gone pointless like in the past four or five, uh, Brown that is. Um, but yeah, maybe if he's playing with Batherson, then that could change. Yeah, well, Belleville's been pretty snake-bitten. So uh, yeah, like like one goal in each of their last three games. So it hasn't been... Uh, maybe Batherson's just the offensive boost they need again. So, so you're saying they're snake-bitten, so then they add Drake the snake. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, there we go. Yeah. Um, so how about the, the other news from today that just um, also came out a few hours ago uh, regarding the countersuit to, um, from Trinity, and they're, they're countersuing Eugene Melnick and his group, um, I believe CSMI? Um, yep. Yeah, so that suit was for a billion dollars rather than Melnick's suit of $700 million. Um, so what are the implications for that? Because this is just becoming an, a never-ending saga. I mean, this really wasn't a surprise. This was totally expected as soon as Melnick filed that lawsuit. But uh, it's it's just getting really nasty. It's like a seven hundred million dollars versus a billion dollars. Like this, this is not petty cash we're talking about. Even yeah. for these like super rich guys, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Like it's still really early news. So at this point, like still waiting. Maybe some other stuff is going to come out. But uh, um, there's one line I want to read from the CTV article that uh, uh, that. Uh, first informed us of it and it says trinity's counterclaim also alleges melnick is unable to pay his bills to get the LeBreton plan going according to court documents filed tuesday 
CSMI has neglected or evaded its financial obligations, it is fair to infer that CSMI, Melanie's company, is not financially sound. So, very <laughs> addicting statements there. Yeah. And, like, it, it's, no, it's, it's stuff that we've known about for a long time, but uh, to, see, to see it all come, like, crashing down, all, like, in, in this one massive tsunami on, on Melanie, in, in this case, is just... It, it's it'll be interesting to see maybe this is the way that it finally um puts a closure to the melnick era i really hope so and it's funny that you mentioned that quote because i literally had that exact same quote highlighted i have the article <laughs> open here i also want to mention the previous paragraph too because I, I think that's interesting as well it says that uh according to the countersuit csmis and melnick's true aim is to have the city of ottawa or trinity fund and build the 500 million dollar event center for the ottawa center's hockey team with the Senators getting 30 years free rent. And then CM CSMI also wants the valuable naming rights and an unreasonable degree of control over the LeBreton project. So pretty much Melnick wants you know the city to pay for this rink. And like they're saying in this suit, he just doesn't have that money. So I think that's kind of like the least shocking thing we've heard in the past few years <laughs> regarding this, this team because it sort of seemed too good to be true uh, in 2016 when news about this rink came about honestly oh yeah for sure and and you see how how it was part of the original bid and why they ended up winning their bid in the first place um is, is because they they claimed that they would wouldn't need any taxpayer money so to go forward and claim that it was all part of their plan at the beginning that they would want taxpayer money even though they said uh, they, they wouldn't want it or they wouldn't need it like i mean you shouldn't be surprised at this it's always going to be the billionaires going after the taxpayer money, no matter. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're they're always just going to be going for it, no matter what. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's just not financially viable. It's not, and it's it's not a good idea to have the city pay for it. That just that just never works out. So, um, yeah. but anyway, should we get to to something? I guess. Well, <laughs> we're going to be relating Melnick stuff to our wish list, but should we get to something more jolly and festive with the Christmas wish list? Yeah, sounds good. And I, I guess I'll kick it off because we're all yeah, on top of the party. I think we need resolutions to this Libretton negotiation. It's just, it's, it's yeah, just we, we, we were already talking about it. It's just really nasty. We really want to see a downtown arena in Ottawa. This is such a great opportunity for the city. If we could see some progress going on on this, like whether it's like just a decision from the NCC to move forward or whether it's like resolutions to these massive lawsuits, like just we, we, we want to see the downtown arena in Ottawa. We want to see the best for the Sens. So yeah. that's, that's right here at the top of my priorities list for, or my Christmas wish list. For sure. And well, okay. Can I, so we'll, we'll do five wishes each. And so that's your first one. For my first one, can I say Melnick selling or is that too similar? Oh yeah. That, that, that's, that's totally good. Yeah. Cause I, I think that's like nothing else good happens. Um, or like Senators fans can't really have hope for the future moving forward um, as, as long as Melnick is owning the team. Like, I don't think anybody can envision a scenario where they actually win the cup and he's the owner just because they, they won't be spending money and they won't have the advantages that other teams have um, in terms of the, the organization's infrastructure. Um, so I guess that, that would be my first wish, and I think that would be most people's first wish as well or something you know relating to LeBreton as well. Um, because yeah, I just the long-term viability of this franchise um, depends on whether or not Melnick sells, and and I don't think that Ottawa's 
going anywhere. I don't think they're going to be moving to, you know, Quebec City or Houston or, or one of these places. But the I don't know. The NHL's got to do something at some point if Melnick isn't going to be able to, you know, be be an owner that can actually provide some some money for this franchise because I I honestly I really wonder how much money he actually has right now. What do you think? Like the the, the we kind of have to separate how much money the team has from how much the owner has to yeah. a certain extent. But yeah, you're right that like so much ties back to Monique and whether it comes to the contract negotiations, which I'm sure will, will be another thing on our wish list to uh, to Le Breton to um, just whether superstar players even want to stay on the team. We saw guys like like Terrace and Carlson just don't want to be here anymore. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's hard to envision a Stanley Cup in Ottawa with uh, under the current ownership regime. Yeah, pretty much. And like, I mean, it, it's been an exhaustive talking point. I mean, we've talked about it for for so long, for pretty much every episode on this on the Cosmo Podcast. I've I've brought it up at least once, um, and I'm sure I'm sure we will moving forward, the two of us together. So, um, yeah, I don't, I honestly don't know what else what else to say. I think it's pretty pretty self explanatory, and and people have heard heard everything regarding regarding Melnick and I don't think there's definitely some like maybe one percent of fans that are still holding on to the belief that he's still that savior from what 2003 or whatever it was 2002 something like that um just because he you know saved the team but just because he saved the team doesn't mean I mean he's killing it right now so that almost you know cancels that out um and like when where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's been so much smoke over the past year, but there's been no sale, which is which is pretty disappointing. <laughs> yeah, and for a podcast where uh, the name is based off of a Melnick quote, I don't think we'll yeah we exactly we're exactly stop talking about it many times soon. <laughs> Fair, yes, yes, uh, no doubt. Um, okay, so what about your second wish then? Yeah, my second wish is a revamp bottom six. And the Suns have a massive opportunity to do that pretty much every year, it seems like, where just all their uh, bottom six guys are heading to unrestricted free agency. And we see guys like uh, um, Payat and Payarvi. And uh, who else am I, am I missing? There, there's always a whole bunch of guys heading to UFA status. Let me but, just uh, double check. Um, so I don't think there's that many. I mean, at least in the bottom six. Um yeah, this is fantastic podcast listening. Me going to Cap Friendly, clicking on the Ottawa Senators, and I'm just talking. And they have, uh, yeah, just so yeah, Pai and Payari, and then I mean Colin White and Nick Paul are RFAs. Um, but that, yeah, that's about it for their bottom six. <laughs> yeah, it's just like there's there's always the opportunity to find the competitive advantage, whether it be like a through a waiver claim and you saw some some decent guys go through waivers already this year and guys like Valentin Zykov would have been a nice addition to uh, like a nice little scoring touch to that bottom six yeah but, and like mix them up with some of the young guys bring some of the young guys up like we like we talked about how Batherson was kind of faltering but you'd rather see like uh um like the high, the high scoring games where you lose rather than you know just the low scoring games where you lose so at least make it fun and uh yeah, just uh, it, it's it's a place that isn't going to cost as much as as the top six. You know, you yeah. can bring in a couple um, decent players making under a million dollars, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just an opportunity of improvement that we haven't really been able to see taken advantage of for the last few years or so. So it'd be, it'd be great to see something happen there. 
Yeah, definitely. The only thing is, like, I don't even trust Pierre Dorian and his staff to make the right decision in the bottom six because they haven't really had a good bottom six in, I don't know, since, like, the, the last time they were in the cup, or the only time they were in the cup finals. So, yeah, I, I don't, you know, even if they do have the opportunity to completely remake it, like, I, I don't even think they'd be able to do that. And you also mentioned um, uh, Tom Pyatt and Payarvi being in the lineup. And, you know, there, there's a narrative that they're these defensive-minded players. And, I mean, to an extent they are, just by the fact that they aren't offensive players. But I honestly think that if you take, maybe not Payarvi, Payarvi definitely isn't as bad, but if you take Pyatt out of the lineup, I think they actually get better defensively uh, because he, he has one of the worst um, oh, yeah. Corsi against per 60 in the league. This is a guy that's just getting caved in every single night. So if you put someone like uh, Bowser's, I wouldn't want him on the fourth line, but if you have him on the fourth line, I think he can do a much better job than Pyatt. He's at least going to be able to get the puck out of the zone. So if anything, the, the score is going to be lower. It's going to be a lower scoring uh, game if you take him out of the lineup. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he's just, uh, yeah. It's it's an unfortunate case where it's that guy. It's just that one guy that always uh, that that the coach seems to be fixated on. But uh, yeah. I, I guess yeah. So that's uh, second on my list. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess for second on mine and fourth, fourth overall in this draft, essentially. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I guess this is being kind of greedy for uh, for Santa, but I'm gonna go with re-signing the top three UFAs on the team. And it's wild that their three best forwards in Stone, Duchesne, and Dezingle are all UFAs. Not even RFAs, but but unrestricted free agents. And if they're able to re-sign all three of them, their forward group, and I, I've talked about this before, and their, their forward group looks pretty solid moving forward because they have those three guys right there are, um, you know, Stone and Stone and Duchesne are for sure first line players, and then Dezingle, You could maybe even make the case that he is. And he's got a, I think twenty. I want to say twenty two. No, sorry, twenty five points in thirty three games. So that's pretty solid. I I don't think he's necessarily going to keep up that pace, but he's at worst a second line uh, second line winger. And then you got other prospects coming up. Um, you have Colin White producing pretty well. Chris Tierney is probably more of a third line center, but you have options. It's looking good. But if you lose even one of those guys, especially one of Stone and Duchesne, then you really, that's going to be really tough moving forward because those players of that caliber are, uh, they're not, they're not easy to find. And Ottawa doesn't have their, their first round pick this year. So it's not like they're going to be getting that top player. So yeah, they're going to be expensive. Um, I don't know. Let's talk it out. Like, what do you... What are you expecting for a cap hit with all three of these guys? Like for Stone, I'm thinking what nine plus per. What do you think? Oh, both both Stone and Duchesne could definitely make nine plus million on the open market, especially. I'm sure. Yeah, on the open market, yeah. Yeah, and, and you have to think the Senators are kind of competing with the open market right now because they know they can leave and go somewhere else where True. there's a better chance of winning. So if, if they aren't they aren't going to be taking home count, hometown discounts, and if they are, I'd be quite surprised. So it's uh. Yeah, around the nine, like even ten million. I'm sure in, in today's, like with, with the cap going up and more players you know, cracking that uh, that uh, ten million bear barrier, I wouldn't be surprised to see if uh, if if they get an offer 
um, in, up to that magnitude. But I guess going back to what you said earlier, like th- there is definitely the opportunity to have a, a solid forward core going forward. Yeah. When you, you even look, look at the prospects and you have, like, you know, you mentioned Batherson, but then we have Balters and Logan Brown and Alex Formanton and Philip Schlopik. Like there, there's no shortage of guys who could like potentially fit into that top nine in, in this, just the next couple of years. And like, we, we know the sense of have, are, are pretty good when it comes to like forward development. It's just a matter of, you know, keeping these guys around. So Stone and Duchesne, those guys will be very pivotal to the roster going forward. So yeah, hopefully yeah. they stay. What but, would, uh, you never know. What would the max, max cap it be that, sorry. What would the highest cap it be that you'd be comfortable with for Duchesne? Hmm. That I'd be comfortable with? Yeah. I, I think the 10 million barrier is, is you'd about... Be, you'd pay him 10 million? I, I think... That's a lot. <laughs> I, I, I know it's a lot, but uh, like we, we've seen what he's been able to do this year. He's been on over point per game pace for yeah. for, about a, for about a year now. Yeah, like almost. You, you, you go back to do when he started heating up in January. So. Yeah, the date I go back to, I'm pretty sure, because I always check like hockey reference game logs. I'm pretty sure it was January 3rd. Since then, uh, yeah, he's it's almost been 82 games now, and he had like, uh, yeah, it was it was something like 75 points in 75 games or something crazy. So he's definitely been worth it over the past calendar year. Um, I just and yeah, I really want to keep him. I'm I I don't even think necessarily that he will cost more than nine. Maybe, maybe if he does go to unrestricted free agency in, in July, I think then maybe then, but I don't even know if, if he would ask for more than that for more than like eight and a half or something from the senators. Um, but I, yeah, I think so. yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. And then with someone I, like, I think a big Stone, thing, yeah, go ahead. A big, a big thing that has to do with this is the term as well. If he's asking for for eight years max, uh, like like a max term deal, then I think that um, value definitely like drops down a bit because he'll he'll probably take a declining salary in the later years, which will bring yeah. the the cap it down probably close to eight eight and a half, maybe even under that. Who knows? But like yeah, if if they're going for like a, a Patriotti type term or just going for three, four, five years, take him to at least like 30, 31, 32, then yeah, I could definitely see him going up to the. That's when I see it could go up to the ten million range because you'll you'll still be getting. Like most of his, lots of his prime years out of that. That's true. The only thing with that though is like, why would you even bother signing him for only that long? Like, Ottawa might not even be good by that point. That's why I think it would be good to have, especially a guy like Stone. I think Stone is someone who is going to age pretty gracefully, and you know, by the end of that eight-year contract, I think he's still going to be really good. He's still going to be thirty-five. Um, oh yeah. And so I, I don't think Duchesne is going to age quite as well. Um, but yeah, like if anything, I would want to give him as much term as possible just so you can, you know, so just so they'll both be a part of teams that are hopefully good senators teams. Yeah. But you also have to consider that, you know, aging curves are aging curves and that, yeah, uh, of course, and that, that, that these guys by, by the eighth year of that deal, they're going to be in the, in their mid mid thirties and they're, yeah. they're going to be shades of the, of the players that they are right now. So you have to think of like what we're looking at right now with Bobby Ryan. Do you want to risk going that route again and, and having another contract like that? So it, it's definitely a risk reward. I guess it's always that way with with these types of contracts. But uh, yeah, I, I, the, the the amount of money they get, like on their cap, it is definitely going to be affected by the term. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Ryan. I mean, like if 
if you just ask the casual fan how old they think Ryan is, they probably think he's older just because he's declined so much. He's only 31. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. Yeah, like he's making $7.25 million. Um, Stone and Duchesne are going to be making a lot more than that. And for sure, like they're going to they're gonna decline. Their aging curves are real. And that's, I don't even, I don't expect any contract they sign to be good in the, in the latter half of, ha, latter half of it. But I think it's more important that they just keep these guys around because they can't keep trading guys away just, you know, at the, at the moment that they get too expensive because it's just, it's ridiculous the amount of talent they've lost over the past, you know, 10 years. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think I'm going to move on to my third item on my wish list. And I, for me, it's just a healthy roster. And I guess I maybe Christmas is coming early for me because it looks like on Friday we're going to be getting Matt Duchesne and Dylan DeMello back. They're oh, both yeah. in, in, uh, in just regular jersey at practice. So that's, that's great. You have Matt Duchesne back, um, first line center. He, he was doing a lot. And, and Dylan DeMello, I think, was very underrated on what he was doing on the right side there. He's, now we're seeing guys like Justin Falk and Ben Harper playing the right side, which they're left shot defensemen. They play the left side. So it's, it's pretty awkward to see them. On the on on playing on their offside, but uh, yeah, so so Dylan DeMille provides a slightly more stability on that right side. But you also think of guys like Pajot. You know, Pajot is Pajot. We all miss Pajot, and uh, he, he just provides so much energy to the roster. And I, I can't imagine what it would be like with uh, him and Kachuk playing on the same line. That would just be so much energy. <laughs> and, what about uh, well, you could have White on the on the right side as as well. I think that'd be a pretty solid line. Oh, for sure. And uh, I, I and the last one is uh mike condon you know, like mike mckenna has been quite the story it's, it's been nice to see him like uh stepping up and providing like whatever like at least a little bit of stability as a backup but it'd be good to have mike condon back give him uh just have have another option hopefully he gets uh healthy and and, and regains his confidence but uh it, yeah especially considering how much uh longer we have him on a contract for we still have him for for, for another whole year after this one oh, so phenomenal <laughs> oh yeah. i mean but do you, like do you think he's even going to be be able to be better than mckenna like i'm skeptical of that <laughs> i mean it all depends how convinced you are about mike mckenna i guess like he's oh i mean McKenna. i'm i'm not convinced of either <laughs> fair enough so it's just a matter of like have, having the options giving giving craig anderson a bit of rest yeah it, it's uh, it, it's quite the shaky situation they have in goaltending right now. So it would be good to uh, just uh, any chance they have to give give Andy a bit of a rest. Like he he deserves it. Like he really deserves yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. Um, yeah, for sure. I I mean, pretty much with with any season, any successful season, you need to have a healthy roster. And it was definitely a big blow. Um, on the what was it? I think it was the first day of training camp that Pajot got hurt. So yeah. that uh, that definitely sucked. Um, and I think you know you mentioned Demello early on, and he's been one of the most underrated players on the team. He's actually he's been a really solid partner for Thomas Shabbat. Um, and I mean, at this point, like I <laughs> Ottawa's defense is so bad. I think I would say he's the second best defenseman, and I'm looking at evolving evolving wilds uh, their goals above replacement and wins above replacement stats amongst defensemen in both goals above replacement and wins above replacement so gar and, and war demello ranks i think it was was it seventh no ninth he ranks ninth in both those categories amongst defensemen in the entire league and Shabbat is second so 
he's been pretty damn solid. Uh, obviously, if you're not, if you know, war isn't your cup of tea exactly, then sure, fine, whatever. But even even on the eye test, like he looks, he looks pretty solid. I don't necessarily think he's a, a top pairing defenseman moving forward, but you know, I'm happy to happy to have him back whenever whenever he is. Did wait, sorry, did they say he was coming back the next game or was that later on? Well, it's like he'll be back for Friday's game. Okay. Which is yeah, so he was in just a regular jersey today. Okay. Yeah, 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 you're right. Like he's not the ideal number one defenseman on the right side. Wink, wink, Carlson. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, like it's good to have someone who can actually like decently handle the, the, those top pairing minutes with with Shabbat, and uh, he, he's kind of he, he kind of makes me reminisce of of what my thought was to Carlson, and so Demello is kind of to Shabbat at this point, just a. Uh, Reverse handedness, where you know he, he he's he, he's he's not a, like he's probably a bit more offensively inclined than the thought, but you know he he's still kind of that uh, uh, defensive guy. You know he he won't really yeah. jump into the play all that much, but uh, yeah, it's it's just good to have. Yeah, definitely he was very underrated in San Jose when he was there too, and you know, to the point where they didn't didn't even um, give him a qualifying qualifying offer uh, this past off season. But yeah, like I think it's the same sort of thing in Ottawa. He's just kind of that. Uh, Underrated player, because you know he just isn't very flashy, but uh, you know he's got the stash, so he's got yeah. that going for him. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I, I want to say that catchphrase, but I'm not going to say it on this on this, on this family podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about another right-handed defenseman for my third wish, um, and I'm just going to shout this from the top: Cody CC is not good. Let's trade him. So that is my third wish that Cody Cece finally gets traded from the Senators organization. He's been he's been with the team since he was drafted in 2012, been in the NHL since I think it was December 2013. Um, you know, he's making 4.3 million dollars this year after going to arbitration, which is I mean, that's a definite overpayment. Um, even though he was asking for 6 million, and there's just absolutely no excuses for keeping him around, especially, you know, he's going to want a long-term contract. He's going to want at least four years. Um, there's no way he's going to want another bridge contract after two in a row. So we've seen enough of him to know what he is at this point. I mean, he is, I want to say, yeah, he's 25 years old. He's not getting any younger. He's not, this isn't a guy that has potential to become something else we, we've seen enough he's played well over 300 games and normally that's like older hockey analysts sort of say you know you get 300 games to prove yourself and see see what you can do and he's played he's played that and he's been honestly one of the worst defensemen in the league I, I don't I don't think that's a, a controversial statement when you look at his shot impacts every single game and it, it really sucks just seeing a promising prospect like LeJoie on the left side having to be anchored with CeCe. And even despite the fact that I think he's pretty bad and is making $4.3 million, he's still an RFA, so he'd still have some value in a trade. And I think some GMs out there would be willing to give something of value for him. I don't know what that is. I think, you know, obviously a couple years ago there was the rumors about him being offered for Taylor Hall. And even if it wasn't Hall, there was rumors about Jonathan Drouin and I think Eberly as well. So there's no shortage of players that Ottawa could have, could have got for CC. But 
yeah, if, if he doesn't move on from him now, then, I mean, Dorian should be fired anyway, but he should be fired twice for uh, <laughs> if he doesn't move CC before. Well, I guess he could do, do it in the summer as well, as long as, uh, as long as he isn't, like, off-sheeted or something. Just get Peter Shirelli called. Hope you get Justin yep. Pugliarvi back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's sort of the, the running gag now is CC for Pugliarvi one for one. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think you mentioned most of it. And I think I, just this past contract ex- extension I think was a bit uh, surprising to me just because I was going in expecting the worst just because of yeah. all, all the same reasons you mentioned. You know, because he's he loved by coaching the coaching staff and, and, and Dorian loves him too. And I was expecting that, you know, dreaded, four, five, six-year deal to come in right right then and there. But, yeah, I guess arbitration happened. Um, yeah. Do you think there's any bad blood from the team after that? Or between him and the team? Who knows? I I, I really have no idea. But uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, like, his time on ice, he's still playing over 20 minutes a night. So if that really had any effect, it, it doesn't really seem to be showing in how he's, how he's playing or how uh, they're treating him. Yeah, but, I mean, what about, like, like he might have bad blood. I mean, like he, like what if he wants to get out? Which I mean, that would be a plot twist. Yeah, I mean, well, he, he's from Ottawa. He grew up in Ottawa. I'm yeah. sure he's like this is his dream team. But you never know what yeah. uh, what uh, a rift with Mona can do to a player. So yeah, well, I mean, it might also, it might also suck just knowing that like a lot of fans are turning on him. Even even his most ardent supporters from a year or two ago are are starting to think, oh, okay, well, this guy hasn't really turned a corner. And they're, you know, they're publicly criticizing him. And that must be tough uh, seeing people from your own city criticize you. So maybe, like, I wonder if he actually does want to get out of here because of that and also because of the Melnick stuff. Oh, yeah. And I, I was CC's biggest fan at the time he was drafted. I, I followed him with the I wanted, I wanted him drafted, too. It was either, I wanted either him or Mata. So I was pretty happy at the time. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I remember watching him on the sixty sevens. I, I would I was still playing minor hockey that time, and uh, yeah, I, I I tried to bottle my game after Cody Cece. I guess that <laughs> I, 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 that that speaks how by getting caved I, in every shift, which kind of ended up happening to be honest. But, but uh, yeah, it was just uh, yeah, he, he he was that beloved local player who who came in through the local system, came in through the city. And yeah, it's, it's just really unfortunate because I really wanted to turn out and to be you know like a good you can play second pair of minutes behind Carlson. Yeah. Competent, competently. But yeah. uh, now, he, now he's playing uh, second pair of minutes and uh, yeah, she's not so competent. But uh, who, who knows Who knows what his trade value is? Like it could be... I have no idea. I, I'm sure it's wildly variant depending on which GM is looking at him. I'm sure I'm sure Kyle Dubas looks at him very differently than Peter Shrelly does, than David Poole does, than, than anyone else. Like yeah. it's... it's like you, I, don't, could, I, I don't think they'd be able to get like a first, but like maybe a second. I'm not really sure. I wouldn't doubt the stupidity of some GMs. That's very true. I mean, a lot there's there's some some pretty stupid GMs out there, um, and I would definitely target Shirelli. So <laughs> I yes. don't know. Um, okay. Anyway, yes. let's go to your fourth wish, though. I, I guess mine is, is also sort of staff related, but I'm thinking more of along the scouting staff. I, I really want to see the revamp that department. They uh, they let go of, of, of a handful of guys past year, then they brought in some new ones, but like they're still kind of right around the middle to near the bottom of the league and, and how much they're investing in, in yeah. their scouting staff. And, and, you, and you hear Dorian's answers to questions about whether they're going to do something like that. And his question and his answers are always about, uh, um, always about like uh, not having too many like chefs in the kitchen or, or like uh, talking about uh, 
much he, he watches hockey and and uh, and how much yeah. uh, of that goes into it. But you know, you look at their draft history, and, and no players were drafted outside of North America in the past two drafts, and that's just a reflection on, on the team, like not having enough information. Like, like I'm, I'm sure. You could come up with. I'm sure it's very reasonable that like the team just like these players better, but you also look at their scouting staff and they have two guys covering all of Europe, and that's uh, yeah. not that's, that's not, not enough. You, you, Europe is a big place with a lot of <laughs> great players. Yeah. Well, they have and, no one in Russia. Oh yeah, they, they haven't had anyone in Russia. They haven't drafted a Russian since 2008, which is yeah, which which is uh, now the longest. Is it Bashkirov? Yeah, Ruslan yeah. Bashkirov, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it record belonged to Carolina before the drafted Feshnikov, but whatever. But uh, yeah, so it, it's just like really weird because like it, they have such a deep history with so many great Europeans, from Carlson and Alfredson yeah. to uh, like so many guys. But now they're essentially uh, um, almost an entirely North American prospect system, aside from from a few other guys. But uh, yeah, it, it, just really want to see them invest more in that department, and I guess. Yeah, they are. It, it comes back to Melnick again and whether he's willing to spend on this. But uh, Yeah, exactly. It what, all comes down to Melnick, but I, I don't want to hammer that point anymore. <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing is you you don't know how much of it is Melnick not signing off on, you know, having a bigger staff and pay, having to pay more, or how much of it is about Dorian, like you said, not wanting to have too many cooks in the kitchen. So um, if, it's, if, if, it's, if Dorian genuinely doesn't want more people, that's, I think that's, I don't know why he has that position because, like you said, there you can always have more scouts. And sure, like you don't want you can't have an infinite amount of scouts because then there's just you're never going to get any consensus. Um, but they could definitely use at least I don't know three, four more. Like have one or two guys in Russia, have another guy in Sweden, Finland, like Slovakia, all these places. Um, and and the strange thing is they've actually drafted decently well since 2015. Um, especially 2015, that was that was looking like an amazing draft with Shabbat and White and Yarosh and uh, Shlapik, all these guys. And so, Willannon, yeah, there's so many guys. Yeah, Willannon as well. So they've done Decor. decently well, but you wonder if they could do even better if they have more scouts. It's it's not about, like, you can't just say, oh, well, they've done good enough, so they're, they're fine. Well, I mean, they could do even better. And especially with a team that um, isn't going to be spend, spending to the cap, these are areas where you can take advantage of of the system. You can hire more scouts and you can have more information if if you're because scouts are gonna cost what, you know, fifty thousand a year? Like that there's not gonna be very much. So and at the tops like a hundred thousand. So it's a lot cheaper compared to players. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and uh, I just, I just want to mention that yeah, they, they do have three scouts in Europe. They just they just brought in a third one uh this past year. Yeah. But uh, former yeah, player, you know, right, I, I think. Yeah, we we know that uh, we know that they have uh, like a decent scouts in already. I, I wonder how much this is just an indictment on the, on the, on the system of their scouting. And you see teams like uh, Toronto. I, I hate to bring them up, in, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're, they're doing such a great job with with so many scouts. And I know Chicago does a similar thing. Chicago has way more scouts than any other team in the league right now. Yeah, but and. Uh, and just the, the, I don't know, maybe the way they manage their scouting reports makes it more manageable. I, I, I really don't know, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's definitely a manageable thing. And, and you see these teams starting to craft results out of out of, uh, out of their drafting ability. So, 
Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a place for competitive advantage, and you know he mentioned like it, it can never be good enough in the, in the market that we're in a like in a market like hockey where just there's 31 teams competing for one competing for one title. You need to have every competitive advantage you can get, and this is one that really should be obvious to every team at this point. Exactly, and you're not gonna, just going to hire some random person off the street. Obviously, you got to do your do your work and hire somebody that's actually going to provide good analysis and good good information but as we've seen from people being hired from hockey twitter i mean there's tons of people literally just on there that that should be hired not necessarily as scouts but maybe as analysts or, or whatever so there's talent out there and it's just it's not being mined so um yeah I, i'd like to to see that for sure i'll go on to my fourth one for the wish list and that would be for their draft pick this season that's going to colorado for that to not be in the I guess like top seven or eight like around there if it ends up being like nine ten or, or even lower higher however you want to say it um then that it really wouldn't be that catastrophic I mean they lost what did they lose in 2014 was it the 10th overall that Nick Ritchie went to yeah it was Nick Ritchie yeah from yeah the so Ryan trade yeah so if they lose someone like Nick Ritchie at at 10th overall this year or, or like a comparable player you're, it's really not that big of a deal. And, like, guys around there don't always turn into star players. But if you're losing Jack Hughes or Capocacco at the top of the draft, then that's, I mean, that's that sets your franchise back. I mean, that's exactly what Toronto did when they essentially lost out on Tyler Sagan. So, yeah, if, if Ottawa could at least be respectable, like, right now they're 11th last. So if they finish there and didn't win the lottery, then that's that's fine. I think we can we can tolerate that. It's not good, but it's at least we're at least not giving up Hughes, which would just that would be so demoralizing. Yeah. It's the one time where you want to lose the draft lottery. Exactly. Well I, it was like this uh five yeah, five years ago too. I remember cheering hard for them to win at the end just so it wouldn't be embarrassing. Yeah, like you're you're right. Like even just like it doesn't really affect the organization at all. At this point, you know the draft pick has sailed, but yeah. it's just a matter of like if if uh, yeah if Colorado gets Jack Hughes or Capocacco, that's just going to haunt the franchise forever. Whenever they play each yeah, other, exactly. And if only for that reason, like you know, just 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 just, just bump that pick down a few spots. You know, <laughs> just imagine. Can you imagine though if they finish like yeah eleventh, twelfth, or whatever, and then they still win the lottery. Oh right, that's that, still a possibility. <laughs> yeah, that would be so bad. Or, or we have a dream scenario where Ottawa, you know, finishes as as high as they can in standings. So, I mean, probably not gonna make the playoffs, but you know, somewhere after ten, and then San Jose misses the playoffs, and then San Jose wins the lottery, and therefore we get a top three pick. <laughs> yeah, still a possibility, but unlikely. Yeah, and my fifth and final Christmas wish list item, I guess it's pretty related to this, and it's also involving the draft. I just want to see them stockpiling draft picks. And if if they're really going for the full rebuild, this is what they really need to be doing. And they need to, when it comes to trade deadline, they need to identify which players are part of their core, which players are not part of their core, and then just get rid of, like, just liquidate those players that are not part of their core and that they won't need going forward. And I guess that ties into a lot of what we were talking about earlier with the bottom six and, and being able to revamp that. But you look guys like Tom Pyatt and Magnus Payarvi, and like I'm, I'm sure someone would give up a draft pick for Zach Smith. Or I, 
I don't know. I wonder if that's even possible now. See, I thought so last year too, but the fact that he went on waivers, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they were trying to trade him before the season and just couldn't find anything. I feel timing is a big thing here because now he's starting to pick up his play a bit more. He's starting to get more yeah. points. He's, he's healthy again. And also, like, at the trade deadline, people are going to be looking for t- players like Zach Smith, whereas at the beginning of the season, people are, are there's too many players on waivers to people for people to even really care at that point. So uh, maybe something will change. But, uh, um, like, even look at guys like, you know, you mentioned Cody Cece. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure teams would... I'm sure there are some teams like in the same realm as people looking for Cody Cece that would give up a good pick for Mark Borvietsky just through his physical nature. Yeah, and, that's not uh, happening, though. <laughs> you, you, you never really know. But, yeah. Uh, like, uh, they, they got a pick for Chris Weidman. So, like, it's Chris Weidman. I was, I was happy with his play, but uh, even I'll admit that he, he probably isn't part of their core going forward. Yeah. But uh, even someone like Ben Harper, like, like I wonder if we even venture in going to talking about someone like Craig Anderson mm-hmm. like if if if, if uh, like I, who knows who they would play if they trade Craig Anderson but uh, like if like if he isn't part of the core going forward and they can get him for like a, a second third round or a couple picks or whatever I like if they're going for a rebuild that's probably in, in my opinion at least that's where uh, it uh, might be going in uh, in that direction yeah so hopefully go into that uh, uh, 2019 draft, just being loaded up on picks. I just hope that they actually get 2019 picks because they've loaded up on a lot of later picks, like uh, in in future years. Because the Weidman pick isn't till 2020. Um, I think they had from the Ian Cole trade to Columbus. It was like 2020 yeah. as well. 2023rd, um, yeah. Yeah, so like they haven't been getting a ton of ton of ones uh, for this draft. Um, and yeah, they don't have like a ton of players that they could. Um, move this this year, but if they could get anything for Pyatt and Payarvi, like I would take a seventh for sure for those guys. That would be even that would be sweet. So I mean, they already have an extra seventh in the Nick Shore deal from last year. So um, yeah, I'm just looking at it now. They have no first unless San Jose misses the playoffs. Two seconds. Um, Pittsburgh's third, but not their own third. A fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh plus Calgary's seventh. So it's it's okay. Um, it would look a lot better if, if they get San Jose's first as well. Um, but yeah, that would uh, that would definitely be nice to see them load up on picks. For They did that in 2015, and that has turned out amazing. So <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Um, so for my last one, uh, I'll go... I'll wish for a new coach. And I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Boucher won't be back. This is his last... Uh, the last year on his contract. He, he, doesn't, he was only signed for three years. And... I, I don't know, it's pretty surprising that he's actually going to finish out the contract. Well, maybe he doesn't, but I, I think it would be weird, and I wouldn't want them to fire somebody, or I wouldn't want them to fire Boucher halfway through the season because then you're limiting your options in the middle of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I, he isn't going to be... Like, there's no coach right now that is going to make the Senators a good team, but I think for the next great Senators team, Boucher isn't going to be the right coach. And to his credit, he's been a bit better this season with, with the young guys and giving him more of a leash. But I, I just don't think he's his, you know, his quote-unquote system was pretty much just having Eric Carlson and Craig Anderson go play out of their minds in the playoffs. And I'd love to see a new innovative thinker, um, a guy like... See, I, I, don't, I don't know 
everything about him, but a guy like Sheldon Keefe, uh, coach of the Toronto Marlies, has, has always interested me. Um, I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't gotten at least like an assistant job somewhere in the NHL. Um, but yeah, just someone, someone different. I don't want them to just fire Boucher and then hire Mark Crawford. Like, I don't want to see that. Not some, or, you know, like a, a retread that's been around the league, like Mike Yo, who hasn't produced anywhere. So I just want someone, someone different, someone that is going to bring a fresh perspective. Um, and yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised if they re-sound Boucher because there's, there's no reason to do so. Has Joel Quenville been taken yet? Not officially. There's no way he's coming to Ottawa, though. Like no, no way. But we're <laughs> we're, we're we're talking Christmas wish lists here, right? <laughs> True. Fair enough. We're being pretty greedy, though. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. There, there's a lot, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, you're right. There has to be some credit given to Kibouche that he's definitely switched up, like his his style. Like Ottawa's on pace to put up some of the worst defensive numbers in history. We, we've yeah. talked about that on this podcast <laughs> before, and, and that falls on on both Boucher and the players, but. Uh, like, uh, even just uh, yesterday's game, or t- today's Tuesday, so mo- Monday's game when they won in overtime, it was good to see them starting. I think it was Shabbat, Tierney, and Zingle in overtime, which is yeah. something that, like, last year would have been completely, uh, like, cut for, like, like different from the norm. Like, you could see him put, like, uh, Dumont, Payette, and whoever else on. And uh, Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's it's hard to give credit when, when you're improving exactly. on that. But, uh, like... It, it, it's at least it's something at least it's something yeah exactly um okay i think that can finish up our wish list now just quickly we don't have too much time but quickly i wanted to go through there's some twitter questions that people asked um we solicited some questions for yesterday um and i'm just gonna find them right here so there were i mean some some of them weren't super serious but <laughs> let's go over them anyway so let's first one we have Okay, this is the best one. So, from Gatno Greg, is Colin part computer? Colin, can you confirm or deny? Uh, no comment. <laughs> no comment. Okay, so he's definitely a robot. Um, and then from a, I guess, well, Twitter friend, friend of the show, Steve on Sends. He's, is the two D or O logo better? Let's get this debate started up because we know we've, uh, right, you know, we haven't heard enough of this debate. So I'm pretty sure we're on the same page, right? Definitely the O. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm Team O, I, although I can't say I'm really too, like, invested in what the logo is going to be. <laughs> that, that's, just, that's just me personally. Like, yeah. focus on the team first, but, uh, yeah, T- Team O. It, yeah, it's, it's, love, the, it's the better jersey. It's so simple. It is, it's just great, and, like, the Belleville jerseys look great, so uh, I'm sure the if Ottawa had whites and blacks, or even the, the red ones with the O, they would look phenomenal. Um and Ryan Classic, buddy Ryan Classic, is asking, where is Mike Condon? Is he okay? When's the last time anyone saw him alive? Um, I don't know. Have you seen him alive? Uh, apparently, he's, he's still rehabbing in, in, in Belleville. I can't really say much more to that. But uh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll see him, see him at some point this year. Um, and then Dennis Prouse asks, what is the exact diagnosis and timeline on Alex Fermentin's injury? Uh, currently, no timeline. It's, it's just such, such a recent development, but it's uh, uh, we, we know at least that he's going to be missing the entire World Juniors, and we, we've seen photos of him in yeah. walking boots. We've seen him in a cast. So, I, I if I were to just venture to guess, I guess maybe he'll be out a month. Could, could be longer. I, I'm not really yeah. sure, but being that, that's, very that's, vague. That's, <laughs> yeah, and just being very vague right now. But 
that's what it appears to be. I, we don't, I'm sorry, we don't have any exact diagnosis or, or timeline right now, but uh, yeah. hopefully he gets better soon. It's really unfortunate that he's missing the World Juniors. Yeah, it definitely sucks, especially with Bernard Docker not making it either. Um, and this comes in from at Halifax Sensfan1. Why is Drake Batherson getting less ice time than Tom Pyatt? What does Pyatt or his family have on Boucher? I don't know. I mean, this could go a million directions. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty clueless on this one too. Like <laughs> blackmailing him for sure. Yeah, but I, I guess we I guess we know why Drake Patterson was being put down in the lineup. They just weren't too. Uh, I guess they just weren't enamored enough that uh, they they thought he'd be sticking in the NHL. But uh, less than Tom Pyatt, like really, like yeah, <laughs> really, really. I mean, we got to mention. I mean, I had a all caps tweet about this. We got to mention at least once on this episode that Tom Pyatt for the first time in his Senators career, he was scratched or sorry, he was a healthy scratch the other game. And that is just a momentous occasion. That is just, I couldn't believe my eyes. It, it, it's a new era. It's a, yeah. say? Oh, that was just, that was amazing. And they played, that was one of the best games of the season that they had. <laughs> so that was just hilarious. Um, and I think this is the last one comes in from <laughs> at sends not for sale. And then the other name is, he's called Eugene from Barbados. So um, I'm not sure if this is like supposed to be a joke or, or what, but like what would it take for the Sens to trade for Pareko? Um, pretty much nothing. Like I don't, I don't think Ottawa even has the pieces that they would want because they would want a defenseman probably. Uh, and like they're not giving up Shabbat. I doubt St. Louis would want like just Bernard Docker. They would want a lot more than that. So I don't know. What say you? Like, I, I'm sure that I'm sure, like, just looking at St. Louis's whole situation, it looks like they're kind of have like a little markdown on their players right now just because of how poorly they're playing. I wonder if someone like Lajoie would interest them, like, as much as we as I love uh, Lajoie as a player right now. Like, uh, maybe Pareko is definitely that more experienced player. I, I mean, know, it would probably be just... like Lajoie, Batherson, like a first, and it would be like a bunch of pieces. It would be, it would be a ton. Like, Pareko's pretty good. Oh yeah, but I, you look at St. Louis's situation and wondering uh, whether, like, how much is his price coming down right now? Just because they're, yeah, they're, yeah just they're really trying to change things up. So, yeah. oh, look, if if they're trying to do a reactionary trade, maybe Forsler hand get a reduced price. Never know. You know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I can't see that happening, but you know, it's fun to think about at least. Um, actually, sorry, there's one more I forgot. I missed this one. Uh, why did this? Oh, sorry, from Tyler S. Steph, zero, zero. Um, why do the Sens coaching take pride in having the worst bottom four D in NHL history? I don't know if they have, take pride in that. I think they're just kind of, I mean, they're not going to overtly say, oh, yeah, our D sucks. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess they're just kind of trying to defend their guys. But I think that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. They'll stick up for their players. Yeah. Pretty much. Um I think those are all the questions, unless I was missing one. Did you see any others? or? Uh, no, it looks like we covered yeah. everything. Okay, sounds good. All right, well, that is our Christmas wish list. And thanks for um, sending in your questions. And definitely send in questions for future episodes. Um, those are those are fun to answer. And I guess we'll, we'll solicit them on, on Twitter uh, next time we're going to record. And next episode is actually going to be a... 2018 year in review podcast and we'll figure out the details exactly on what that'll entail but that should be i don't know if fun is the right word but it should be an interesting one at least 
yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to look back on. So yeah, it'll it. I mean, there's there's so much that we're we're, we're gonna have to talk it out because uh, we'll we'll probably miss a lot of things if we just come up with the events um, on our own. <laughs> but I think uh, it, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we sign off here? Or? No. Well, just have a merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, same goes for me. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everyone, and uh, thanks for tuning in. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cosmic Pointcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and don't forget to rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at ShackTS and read my articles at HockeyBuzz.com, and you can follow Colin on Twitter at CudmoreColin and read his articles at Silver7Cents. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or questions that you want answered, let us know. That's all for today. Adios.